I understand we're going to do something interesting now. We're going to do something that we'd like to call a podcast takeover. Set it up for us, Mario. Okay, so this episode tells uh, the story of a lady in Querétaro. Gabriela's grandmother died in Spain. Mm -hmm. And she left some unfinished business because uh, she died suddenly. She was not aware she had cancer. Mm -hmm. And she came back to Gabriela's husband in a dream. Wow. That's fascinating. Uh-huh. So the the Gabriela's grandmother came back and gave a message to Gabriela's husband, who I imagine then Gabriela's right. husband shared with her. The, the message and, the message didn't make sense immediately, but then when other things happened, it was evident that it was the grandmother. That, that it was the grandmother speaking through her husband to her. Got it. Correct. Wow. This being Halloween, I want you to think about something, and it's very simple. When was the last time that you, especially here in America, where we lead, we lead such hurried lives, actually thought and contemplated about someone that you have lost recently, or maybe even not so recently? When was the last time you visited a cemetery? When was the last time you paid homage to someone you once loved who's been gone now for quite some time. It seems that ritual, which by the way, is a really important ritual. It's an important ritual, not because of the people who are gone, but because of you, because of your psyche. Because sometimes it's really important just to be able to get into your thoughts and go back into your memory and remember someone and what that someone meant to you. This is very, very important advice. This last year, I lost my brother and I lost my dad. And uh, I built little rituals to both of them in my house here in a place where we have like a little waterfall, you know, and a little koi pond. And I built a little memorial to my brother because I want and need every once in a while to go there and think about my brother. And of course, my dad died after my brother. And as you may have remembered because I think I've spoken about it before. Um, it's one of those things that I think every single one of us who is a son in this world or a daughter and loses a parent knows that from that moment on, we, uh, we take all of our lessons and all of the memories and all of the conversations and everything that happened that made me who I am today through the words and the wisdom of my father in this case, because it was my dad who died. And it just, it just, it's, it's etched in stone. I think back to it now. I think back to it when I'm going through situations. And I think that's necessary. And, and I think somehow in our culture here as Americans, for some reason, we have stopped doing that because we're t- in too much of a hurry. You know, it's funny, um, as a Latino, I can say that generally speaking, the closer we are to our heritage as Latinos, in other words, (laughs) I'm going to say it in such a way so that only Latinos we understand, or the the, the closer we are to our crossing the border, or the closer we are as uh, to we are getting off the boat, as we like to say, the closer we also are to the experience of wanting to go to a cemetery and remember our loved ones. The longer we stay in this country, the less we visit cemeteries and the less we cherish those memories. I don't know why. I don't know why. Maybe it's America. Maybe it's Americanism. Maybe it's the lives we lead here, which are like, you go to work, you get your kids, you do this, you do that, you do you're going, 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 and finally you hit the sack. And there's no contemplative moments in our lives. And those contemplative moments are the most important thing that we can do in so many ways. And as Latinos, I see how we change as we Americanize, how we change as we Americanize. And that's, that's just something to really consider because um, the Latino culture calls for this. It calls for us being whole by bringing back a piece of what was once a part of us, your mother who may have died, a loved one who may have died, your father who may have died, sisters or brothers or best friends even. And we don't do that. So 
So as we as we look on this day, because this is the perfect day to talk about this, right? We call this Halloween or Hallow's Eve. Now, there are two interpretations of this, and I'm going to take you through both of them. And then I'm going to be joined by Mario Gongora. Yes, this happened. You love his podcast. I love his podcast. And he knows a little bit about this. So I'm going to bring Mario in in just a minute. But I'm going to take you through two kind of explanations, if you will. One is Halloween or Hallow's Eve and how we celebrate it in America and what are, it, what are its roots and where it came from. And rather than me sitting here and reading to, to you from some encyclopedia or some New York Times story, I thought I'd play a little clip so that you can understand it. And then I'm going to take you to the other version. This is the Latino version of Halloween, which is El Dia de los Muertos, sometimes just called Dia de Muertos, you know, the Day of the Dead, which is very different in terms of... Uh, its origins. So here we go. Here's an explanation. This is kind of interesting, by the way, because it it shows that where Halloween came from for Americans, mostly through Northern Europeans, and that had a different intention at the time. It was more about real tricks, hooliganism, etc. Here it is. All Saints Day was known then as Hallowmas. Hallow means holy or saintly. So the translation is roughly Mass of the Saints. The night before, October 31st, was All Hallows' Eve, which gradually morphed into Halloween. The holiday came to America with the wave of Irish immigrants during the potato famine of the 1840s. They brought several of their holiday customs with them, including bobbing for apples and playing tricks on neighbors, like removing gates from the front of houses the young pranksters wore masks so they wouldn't be recognized. But over the years, the tradition of harmless tricks grew into outright vandalism. Back in the 1930s, it really became a dangerous uh, holiday. I mean, there was um, such uh, hooliganism and vandalism. Trick-or-treating was originally a extortion deal. Give us candy or we'll... Uh, Trash your house. <laughs> Give us candy or we'll... It's funny how you, you hear... And by the way, our, our thanks to the History Channel for that clip. It, it's funny how we hear that perspective now. It was hooliganism. It was really dangerous. Yeah, right. Today we're talking about things that are so much, so much more dangerous. In fact, think, just think about this for a minute as I turn off my phone. Um, think about this. The idea that today we're talking about real nightmares, real horrible things, like a man who drove his car into a parade and uh, slammed into 60-some people. Imagine that, right? Imagine that. That's real. Here they're talking about somebody who would uh, set somebody up uh, at their house because if they didn't give them candy, they would, I don't know, turn over their garbage can or something, right? Toilet paper. Toilet paper. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Boy, how we have changed. But but I get it. And, and our thanks to the History Channel. Okay, so there you go. That's Halloween. That's Hallow's Eve. Now, as Latinos, what is our history in this? Now, our history, as you know, is El Dia de los Muertos, which really begins more as an indigenous uh, celebration. Here's that explanation. I like to think of the origins of Dia de los Muertos or Day of the Dead as being this cultural mashup. So think back to the days of the Aztecs and the indigenous peoples of Central America, and you've got traditional feast days. You've got a culture that celebrates death and the dead as going on to a better place or a different place. And then you have Spanish colonization. So then you have Catholic, Spanish, Hernan Cortez coming over and colonizing this area. And so you have the Catholic saints and you have um, traditional holidays like All Saints Day and All Souls Day. So what happens when indigenous peoples are colonized? Things merge. Things merge. But the true history, right? Because a lot of what the Spanish did was kind of similar to what the Irish did when they came to America with their Hallow's Eve, so to speak. Well, what's really interesting here, the foundation of this goes back to mostly, or at least mostly attributable to, I believe, the Aztecs, who truly believed it was important to tie back to that which you have lost and actually celebrate it. Not necessarily mourn it, but celebrate it. 
So that's why when we see festivals, uh, Dia de los Muertos in places like Mexico City, which, by the way, now has become an even bigger deal ever since the 007 movie, right? The James Bond, the, the, the new 007 movie. Um, younger people, younger people, millennial Hispanics are now tying back to this and trying to come to grips with why it's important in their lives. So because it's meaningful because it's important and because it can actually help you to um, to do this. So that's why we wanted to pick up on this conversation today, uh, because a lot of people uh, in the Latino community in particular, as they become Americanized, kind of lose this part of the culture. And that's why we wanted to have our good friend Mario Gongora, the host of Yes, This Happened, who tells us stories that make us realize that not everything is as it seems. So, That's right. Hi, Rick. How are you? Thanks for having me. What's happening, dude? How you doing? Good. Good. It, listening to your intro, it's very interesting. It's very um, me llegó, you know, like yeah. you say in Spanish. Well, you know, you know, you're a Latino, and more to the point, you're a Mexicano. So, you know, right. you as a Mexicano of of all of us Latinos, by the way, of all of us Latinos, I think el Mexicano, the Mexican, is the one who truly still has a tie, although it's going away, obviously, as we Americanize, but still has a tie to this thing. What What is this thing? Define it for me, will you, buddy? Well, I think like, like the lady in the video was saying, uh, because this comes from a very long-held tradition, uh, beginning with the Aztecs, where they thought that you should be happy and, and celebrate the life of the person who died and not be saddened by it. Um, I think we we still have uh, a lot of that in our lives. People, the people we love don't really leave us for good. They still uh, walk with us. They 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 still uh, you know help us in, in in our time of need. Like you said, you remember your hmm. your dad and what he said, and and uh, it's it's very uh, very different to what happens here in the states during this this uh, celebration. My, 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 dare I say that we fear it here um, mm -hmm. unnecessarily? We don't right. need to fear death. It's no different than eating or breathing or sex. It's part of who we are. It's part of being a human being. It happens, but we fear right. it here like it's spooky when in fact we should embrace it correct and, and it's interesting because the difference between what people in mexico do on october 31st and people here in the states do is that people in mexico in mexico go to the graveyard to the cemeteries they clean the graves of their relatives they decorate it mm. uh you know they, they decorate the, their resting place in preparation for their return the next day on November 1st, El Día de los Muertos. Mm. And that's a drastic difference. It's very spiritual. It's very matter of fact. It's like, you know, my relative is coming tomorrow and I better tidy up. So, wow. That's a great way to put that's, that's That is such a fabulous way to put it. I mean, it, it, it sounds like you're describing something that my mother would do, you know, if she had relatives <laughs> right, coming right. over and she used to, you know, uh, beat our butts for, uh, for making the house a mess and not cleaning up or making our beds or making up or cleaning after ourselves. And it's because, tenemos, as she would say, tenemos visita hoy. We're having right. visitors today right. and you have to get the house ready. And you're saying on the 31st, the tradition is we got to get everything ready around the place where they were buried because they're coming back to visit us. And when they say coming back to visit us, again, people who are maybe not understanding of what we're talking about think, oh, shit, what does that mean? They're coming as ghosts? Are, are they coming to be? That's not what they mean, right? Right, right. It's just a celebration of their lives. They give them a special place that day. Uh, they, they uh, on November 1st and 2nd, all the families put up their home altars. Uh, like you said, you had a little place to remember your, your family members. Uh -huh. um, and they put the photos and the, their favorite foods, their personal belongings, uh, their favorite drink. And, uh, you know, it's the date when the souls of the deceased relatives and friends come over. They return to this world uh, once again to enjoy our company and uh, even eat their favorite dishes 
listen to music. It's a celebration, really. Yeah, so, and, and, and the, the aesthetics of it are important. So I started doing, obviously, being a journalist, as you might imagine, I started doing a little reading and I started doing a little research on this. And what I found as I researched this, how people react on November 1st and November 2nd uh, in uh, the Latino communities, especially in Mexico and several other places, is absolute celebratory joy. If, if I was to say, for example, in the old Spanish Catholic way, vamos a tener una misa hoy for mi papá, we're going to have a mass today for my father or my mother or somebody who's died, mm -hmm. we would all gather at the church and we would pray and we would very silent and we would shed some tears and we would hug and we would cry and we would, yeah, we would remember somebody we lost, but we wouldn't do it joyfully. We wouldn't do it joyfully right. and certainly not as celebratorily or as joyfully as the Mexican tradition coming, going back to the Aztecs has taught us to be. So that's a huge difference, isn't it, Mario? It is. It is. And we, I mean, we have festivals, celebrations, uh, ceremonies. It's, it's, it's even fun. You know, it's, it's, it's a celebration of not only their life, but your life. That's so different because what you're saying is instead of it being, we're going to gather because we're sad that you're gone, it's we're going to gather because we're so glad you were here. And on this day, you're here with us again. That's a, that's, I mean, that's, that's a, we're, we're turning a uh, principle on its head. And I, and, and I think the latter that we're going to gather because we're so glad you were here and today we celebrate you again. That's so mm -hmm. different than we're sad we lost you. So different, you know? No, definitely, definitely. And, and it also has, I mean, don't get me wrong, it has the religious aspect to it because it got intertwined with Dia de los Muertos, which was uh, a Catholic... Uh, um, yeah, Dia de los Santos. Dia de los Santos, right. I'm sorry, Dia de los Santos, right. yes. Right. Yeah. Uh, that the Spanish brought to Mexico. And, you know, we still uh, celebrate uh, or, 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 yeah, we, we celebrate and, and win tribute to all these saints on one one day. Even though the saints have in the, in the Catholic calendar, they all have their own independent day to be celebrated. Uh, some people choose to just do it on Dia de Todos los Santos on November 1st, uh, which is part of this whole Dia de los Muertos, Dia de los Santos celebration in Mexico. It's a very interesting kind of mm -hmm. uh mashup like like uh, the lady said at the beginning. You know what this reminds me of when I listen to your podcast as well, and this is something I've always believed in. I've always believed that just because you can't explain it does not mean it did not happen. And um, I'll tell you, I've had things happen in my life several times. And it's always seeming to happen when I'm at uh, uh, almost a desperate state when I've been in trouble, when I've needed something. And I've, I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. Mm -hmm. I, I, I'll tell my own little personal story, the kind of story that would appear on Mario Gongora's uh, series and of podcasts, yes, which, which are uh -huh. fantastic. Yes, this happened, right. If you go to Yes, This Happened, you'll hear stories that people share like this. So I was once in a lot of trouble for something that I was going through. It was very, very sketchy what I was going through to the point where I didn't know whether I was going to end up in jail or something like that. And I went to uh, a small church, but the church was closed. And I thought I won't be able to get in, but for some reason, a door had been left open. So I went into that church. It was, in fact, uh, Our Lady of the Lakes in Miami Lakes, Florida. Um, I went into the church and I was all by myself. All I heard was the creepy sounds of a church and there was nobody inside. I was wondering how honest I should be because I was about to be questioned about something that didn't have to do with me, but it still was, I was very nervous about it. I was about to be deposed for some mm -hmm. reason about something. And I didn't know how to answer. How honest should I be? How much information should I divulge? And that was the question I had. And I sat there on my knees and I talked to this, you know how we are as Latinos, we have this giant cross and it's Jesus there and I could see his tear and his blood and everything and I wasn't sure. And as I asked them the question, I then started to, uh, 
to feel sad and walk away because obviously he didn't talk to me. He didn't say anything. And as I'm walking away, and I don't know if it was a sudden breeze or something, but as mm -hmm. I was walking away, one of the doors to a very small room seemed to crack open. And again, it could be that fact that it was cracking open because of the way gravity worked that day or because of the wind, whatever. But it cracked open and got my attention. So it got my attention enough that I walked into that little room. I walked into that little room. It turned out it was a confessional. And at confessional, I was on the wrong side. I was on the priest side because as you guys who are Catholic know, when you go into a confessional, it's a tiny little room divided in two. The priest sits on one side behind a dark screen. You can't see him, at least in the old days. Today, they're open confessionals. But back then, it's a dark screen. You don't see him, but he is talking to you and you tell him, you confess to him your sin and then he tells you his advice or your penance or that you have to say a certain amount of Hail Marys or whatever. So I had gone on the wrong side. I was looking at the book that was open for the priest that he uses to inform people. And by some bizarre reason, it happened to be on the page that answered my question. And it oh, wow. actually said only something to the, something to the fact that only give to, uh, to Caesar what is Caesar's and hold back what you don't need to, or it was some, something tied to, you know, uh, a scripture that made that point that I didn't need to go in there and just, sorry, that was my class. Wow. That was creepy. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, we're back in church at Our Lady of the Lake. Did you see that? How did that even happen? What? Wow. So yeah, I guess, damn. Woo, goosebumps. <laughs> goosebumps. <laughs> so I go into this little room and it's dark and spooky and I didn't know where I was or how I ended up there. And the answer in the book told me what I should say to the lawyers the next day in the deposition. And I thought, did he answer me? Could it be that he did? Or was this a complete coincidence? Well, I don't know. I believe he did. I believe he did. And I'll take that to my grave because it's my right to believe so. There are those who will say bull crap, total coincidence. Mm -hmm. But the point I'm making is there are things that are unexplainable in our lives that happen that we need to take into account. And that's the beauty of your podcast. It Absolutely. speaks to those things. And look, Rick, there's so many things. For example, uh, what we see. The, the, the amount of light we can see, for example, is a little sliver of the whole light spectrum. We cannot see ultraviolet or infrared. We need special equipment for that, but it's there. And bees can see, I believe it's infrared or no, ultraviolet. Right. So, so, I mean, just our sight is so limited in that sense. Imagine all the other senses. It, it has to be something uh, like that. And there has to be something else to this reality that, because we cannot see it, because we are in our, in our little box of whatever we can uh, immediately sense, uh, what we um, evolved hmm. to sense just because we needed to survive. But there are all these other aspects with light, with sound, it, like um, there are sounds we cannot hear. Um, there are things we cannot see. So there has to be something else, I, I think, because all these experiences that we present on the show, uh, like I've said before, um, when you start finding patterns in the stories of people, you know, such different people from different parts of the world, they don't know each other, but they have the same kind of experiences. And like, mm -hmm. like you had, um, it just, I mean, I think there has to be something else just. Yeah. And what it much. tells us, if, if there's a, if there's a learning from this, right. Mm -hmm. If there's something we take away from this. And I think this is obvious. There may be people who disagree with me, but I think this is obvious. The more you allow yourself to perceive all that is around you and not a narrow view, the, mm -hmm. the wider angle lens that you have, which is something we preach on this newscast or this uh, mm -hmm. podcast, pardon me. I've been doing news for too long. Um, the better decisions you make, the better person you become, the wiser you become, the wealthier you become, the more learned you become. 
The smaller the focus, the less successful. The wider the focus, the more successful. And what is that? It's kind of what you just said. If Mm -hmm. all we do is look here and not realize that our mind is capable, as Einstein said, of taking in so much more. We know there are children that if you gave it to them at an early enough age, could speak 25 languages fluently, easily, as long as you start giving it to them early enough. And yet, here in the United States, we hate people because they speak a second language for the most part. Yeah. Maybe they don't hate it, but I mean, we're, we're, <laughs> we're not like other parts of the world where people are smart enough to understand that the more languages you know, the better and the more foundation you'll have about understandings. So I'm going on a tangent and I apologize for that. My point is what you just said is very, very important. And I think that comes out in your podcast that we need to be able to take in more than just a narrow scope. Absolutely, yes. And unfortunately, I think we're at the point where the taboo about speaking about stuff like this, uh, about the uh, unidentified aerial phenomenon uh, aspect of, of this whole thing uh, that we also don't understand. Uh, I think we live in a time where this is all breaking down and it's being normalized and people um, are not afraid to share their stories anymore, as you can see on the show. Um, they are not afraid of being stigmatized or made fun of. So, you know, I'm I'm glad we are part of this with Agua Media uh, of giving people a platform to... to No, I think it's important. You know, listen, I I think it's important and I'm glad we're doing it. You know, uh, Mario Gongora, the host of Yes, This Happened, uh, a show that you can hear... Uh, right here on Agua Media, you can, uh, by the way, you can see it on, you could go to Spotify, you can go to Apple, you can go to our pod, you could go to our website now, aguamedia.com and click it because it lives there. And you can look at the, all of the different episodes that tell stories like the one I just told brought to life. And maybe one of those stories will be something that not only you relate to, but something that can have an impact on you and help you see things a little differently. So that, that that's uh, fantastic, Mario. I understand we're going to do something interesting now. We're going to do something that we'd like to call a podcast takeover. We, <laughs> we, we are so excited about, in fact, um, yes, this happened, that we are going to give you an episode now of awesome. yes, this happened. Set it up <laughs> for us, Mario. Okay, so this episode tells uh, the story of a lady in Querétaro that uh, her grandmother passed away and she apparently came back in a dream to the husband hmm. and told uh, told him about, uh, well, she had some unfinished business because she was not aware she had cancer and she died. She passed away suddenly. And uh, this is a story. And, and it it's, uh, it's very relatable to Dia de los Muertos because... Uh, in the end, you will see, this is not your, your typical scary ghost, evil entity story, but it, it, it relates to the Idols Muertos because the daughter of this lady, every night that she prays, uh, she also talks to her grandmother and she never knew her. So it's, uh, hmm. I think it's a very nice story and I think you're, you're going to like it. Set it up for me once more time. I got a little lost in all of the characters. So, um, uh, the, okay. the, the character is a woman who? See. Una, una muchacha que se llama Gabriela. Right. So the, the, the main character, the, the lady telling the story is Gabriela. And Gabriela's grandmother died in Spain. Mm-hmm. And she left sh- some unfinished um, business because uh, she died suddenly. She was not aware she had cancer. Mm-hmm. And she came back to Gabriela's husband in a dream. Wow. That's uh-huh. fascinating. So the, the Gabriela's grandmother came back and gave a message to Gabriela's husband, who I imagine then Gabriela's husband shared with her. The message message didn't make sense immediately, but then when other things happened, it was evident that it was a grandmother. That that it was the grandmother speaking through her husband to her. Got it. Correct. Wow. Hey, um, shall we? Let's do it. Here it is. We are the real Brady Brady Bros. Brady Brothers from the TV show Brady Bunch. I'm Barry Williams. And I'm Christopher Knight. I played Greg. And uh, who were you again? I played Peter. We've decided that we're going to do a podcast around episodes of the Brady Bunch. 
We're going to use it as a prism to look back to our experience doing the show and why the Brady Bunch is still popular. Have a sunshine day. We are the Real Brady Bros. Hi, this is Rachel Yucatel, and I'm here to invite you to listen to my podcast, Misunderstood with Rachel Yucatel. This podcast delves into the lives of those who have been reduced to a single headline. Each episode will take a closer look at the stories of those who are on a mission to change their narrative. Join me as we uncover the truth behind the misconceptions, shed light on the stories of those who have perhaps been wrongfully portrayed, explore the complexities of the human experience, and celebrate the power of second chances. Who doesn't love a good comeback story? Anxiety about the unknown. I could hear the steps. He had all black eyes. There was no one. All of a sudden, this huge object with lights was on top of him. It made no sound. The fear. Yes, this happened. So I moved him hard because he didn't want to wake up. I took him by the arm and started to move him hard. And I said his name out loud, I don't know, two or three times until he woke up. Like, Guillermo, Guillermo. I said, what's wrong with you? Don't worry. You're dreaming. Hi, and welcome to this special episode of Yes, This Happened on the Rick Sanchez News Podcast. Today we have a story told by Gabriela and Guillermo, a married couple, parents of two beautiful girls in Querétaro, Mexico, of the series of events that happened when Gabriela's grandmother passed away in Spain. Even though Gabi and her grandparents lived in different continents, the families were always in close contact with each other. My grandparents are from Elizondo. It's a small town in the north of Spain. And they were tall, thin people with little formal education, but very intelligent. We went to visit them a couple of times throughout the years uh, to Spain. And they also came over to Mexico a couple of times. Uh, my wife uh, always told me stories about the uh, few trips they took to Europe, to Spain, to see her grandparents. and. She had very fond memories of those times. Usually, we usually call them on the phone often or send them letters. And this meant that even though we lived far away and we didn't see each other much, we kept in touch and, and uh, tried to keep being close to them as much as, as we could. So when I got married in 2012, they were much older and they couldn't come to my wedding in Querétaro. But they really wanted to meet my husband, so we had the opportunity to go see them after the wedding. And I, I was able to understand when I met Doña Elvira, I was able to see what uh, my wife saw in her. She, she, she was a wonderful woman, great qualities to her, great cook, and uh, she, she was just wonderful. And when they met him, they, they liked him very much, and they became very fond of him and he always joined in the conversation when we would call him when we were back home. So when our first baby was born two years later, we sent them photos and talked to them on FaceTime. Uh, they really wanted to meet her and insisted we visit them so they could meet her and have her, have her there with them at home so they could enjoy her. Um, so we saved some money, and when Andrea, our daughter, was one year old, we took her to Alizondo so my grandparents could meet her. My wife was really uh, looking forward to going to Spain and, and visiting her grandparents with our daughter, Andrea. Um, so we took the trip. We were there for about two weeks. And they treated us really, really well. They were such fine people. They, they were very loving towards our, our daughter. Uh, and we had a blast just eating all the food and, and going around the little town with them. It was wonderful. The trip is an amazing experience for the young family. And like in most Latino families, everyone gravitates towards grandma. Or in the case of little Andrea, great-grandma, who showers her with love and attention. But unfortunately, living far from family always means having to say goodbye at some point. And Gabi, Guillermo, and Andrea return to Querétaro. Uh, later, uh, once we got back, I got pregnant. And when my second baby was about to be born, Vanessa, my grandmother became very ill. She began to have some ailments 
which we thought were typical of her age, but they didn't subside. They seemed to get worse, and then she was a little better, and then she had the pain again. So she went to the doctor, to, to several doctors, and after some studies, it was discovered that what she had was lung cancer. Um, she never found out what she had because my grandfather decided he was never going to tell her so she wouldn't worry. I was actually never on board with not telling her about her sickness, about, about having cancer and the possibility of her dying. But it was not my place to give my opinion. And, and besides, by the time they discovered what she had, that cancer was already very advanced. And they told my grandfather that they would only give her palliative care and try to maintain her as best as possible with some quality of life, but that she was not going to have a cure and eventually would, would pass away. So because of this, my grandmother had ins and outs from the hospital, but she always thought it was a flu complication or a flu that relapsed, but she never really found out uh, what it was that she really had. And we were very careful not to mention anything when we spoke to them on, on, or FaceTimed them. So finally, my second baby girl was born and coincidentally looked a lot like my grandmother. Uh, physically, they had the same shape of the face, the same eyes, the same nose. And friends and family said that she looked a lot like her. Um, we kept talking to my grandparents by FaceTime as always. We called them every weekend so they could see how the girls were growing. And the girls already knew that every eight days on Sundays, we had a call with their titos, as we called them. Um, and my grandmother was super fond of my youngest girl. Even though she hadn't seen her in person and was just a baby, she, she, uh, she said that she was her favorite because uh, she looked a lot like her. And once again, my grandparents began to insist that we should go visit them so they could meet Vanessa, our second daughter. So my husband and I started saving to be able to go uh, so that my grandparents could meet the baby just as they had done with my first daughter. And I really wanted to take her. I knew about my grandmother's illness and uh, I knew that it might be the last time that we could see her in person. So one day my aunt uh, called us to let us know that my grandmother was very ill. She no longer ate anything. She was very, very thin and tired. Told me that if I wanted to go say goodbye to her, then I should make it as soon as possible because the situation looked really bad and it seemed that she was in her last days. They also told me that she would wake up every day and say that she wanted to meet my daughter, asked when we were coming to see her, that she wanted to see her, and she talked about the same thing every day. And whenever someone went to see her at the house, she would also show them the photos of baby Vanessa, my youngest. Uh, so in short, my husband and I uh, talked a lot about whether to take the girls to see her or not. We had long conversations about it, and I didn't think it was good for the girls to see their grandma in such a bad state physically uh, and maybe emotionally. We knew those were her last days. So even though Vanessa was very little, we didn't want them to have that memory uh, of, of their grandmother. Uh, especially when, when she was, uh, as we were told, really, really sick. And uh, we just wanted them to maintain those memories that they had with her grandmother being very happy and very loving and, and not sick. Finally, we decided that it would be better not to go with them because we didn't really know what the situation would be when we got there. Plus, the expense was going to be greater, so... So I decided to go see her uh, myself in Spain. Say goodbye to her without her knowing it was a final goodbye because she still didn't know about her illness. My grandmother was very, very worn out by the disease. She did not eat and she already looked very bad. But her mood was still good and very optimistic. Uh, so she received me and the first thing she did was ask me if I had brought the baby and told me that she really wanted to see her. So I told her that, uh, that soon I would return with her and she told me that as soon as this last cold that she had was gone, she was going to go uh, to Mexico to meet her. I was with her for about a week and I had to return to my house in Mexico with my babies. Mm -hmm. 
longing to return to her family in Mexico, but also knowing this was surely the final goodbye with her beloved Tita. Gabi took a flight back to Querétaro with a very heavy heart. And about a month and a half later, more or less, one day, like at six in the morning, <laughs> my baby woke up crying unconsolably. I heard her on the monitor and, and uh, I went to her room. It was very strange because Vanessa, who was already two and a half years old at the time, was like clockwork. Normally, she would wake up at eight uh, to drink her milk and then went back to sleep until around nine. Uh, and that was her schedule always. So. I go to see her in the bedroom, and she tells me, Mommy, Mommy, Tita woke me up. And I picked her up and hugged her to give her milk as usual and make her go back to sleep. But she was very restless. And she kept telling me, Mommy, Mommy, Tita woke me up. So I started to walk to my room to take her to bed with me to see if she would fall asleep. Because I thought maybe she heard a noise in her bedroom that had woken her up or she had had a dream about Tita, but since she insisted and was so restless, I asked her, I, I tried to make sure, who woke you up, mommy? And she said to me in her little toddler voice, a very tall person, very tall, Tita, mommy. So the morning when that happened, we just thought it was a dream Vani had had, and uh, Andrea woke up with all the commotion, and she was just repeating what her sister was saying, like, Tita, Tita. But we didn't actually pay much attention to this. We thought it was a dream and that's it. Um, but later we found out it maybe it wasn't. And she was like stretching the words and raising her little head and looked up like, like as if implying that this person who woke her up was someone tall. But what struck me was the fact that the only person they called Tita was my grandmother. So when she kept saying, Tita, woke her up, I told her, uh, Mommy, don't worry, it was just a dream, it's very early, go back to sleep. So she fell asleep next to me in my bed, and I was just beginning to fall into a deep sleep when the phone rang. And when I heard my aunt's voice, I knew it, it was my aunt from Elizondo calling to tell me that my grandmother had just died. that it was a peaceful passing that she just uh, went into her sleep. Um, now, I don't know if my grandmother came to meet and say goodbye to my baby, but what happened to us that day was either that or just a really strange and amazing coincidence because approximately 30 minutes had passed between my daughter saying that Tita woke her up and me receiving the call from Spain. Um, then we thought about what she said, that the person was very tall. Maybe what Vani was referring to was that she was someone who looked down on her or just the actual uh, stature of, um, of my grandmother. But apparently, that was not meant to be the only instance where Tita would reappear in their lives, as Gabi found out a couple of days later. So a few days later, I was at home when I fell asleep in the afternoon. It was a quiet afternoon. Oh, you could only hear the AC unit. It was really quiet. Maybe some traffic in the distance. And it was one of those times when sleep overcomes you. And I just fell asleep on my back. And that's, that's when I felt as if someone was sitting at the foot of the bed. Uh, and I thought that maybe it was my husband. But when I tried to open my eyes, I just couldn't. I was already awake and wanted to move my arms and legs, but I couldn't. I started to get super anxious, and then the only thing I thought was that maybe I was getting paralyzed or something, and I thought about yelling at someone to help me. Uh, but I wanted to scream, and I couldn't either. My voice didn't come out. I made all the effort in my throat, uh, as if I were screaming or, or wanted to scream, but I couldn't move my tongue or mouth or fingers or anything. And that's when the image of my grandmother came to mind, as if she wanted to tell me something. And I said in my mind, I know it's you, and, and that you want to tell me something, but you're scaring me. Please not like that. And at that moment, I recovered my body. It is, it is something, it's something very difficult to explain, but immediately I was able to move again, and my body was responding. 
So for the following days, I was thinking what it was that she wanted to tell me. I wanted her to communicate with me and understand what she needed, but at the same time, I was afraid and even doubting that I had had that experience, like when you're not sure if you were dreaming or it was for real. So the other thing that happened later, um, it was uh, it was one night when my husband and I were already asleep in bed. I think it was like three in the morning, more or less, and my husband woke me up. He was he started jumping and moving, and he was making a very strange noise, and he was like mumbling and talking as if his tongue was stuck. I couldn't figure out what he wanted. And I mean, I, I got scared thinking something was wrong with him. And I started to move him to wake him up. And I thought it was a stroke or something. That dream seemed a little scary at the beginning because I didn't understand what was happening. So I moved him hard because he didn't want to wake up. I took him by the arm and started to move him hard. And I said his name out loud, I, I don't know, two or three times until he woke up like, Guillermo, Guillermo. I said, what's wrong with you? Don't worry, you're dreaming. And he finally like snapped out of it. And he said, I dreamt with your grandmother. And I asked him, what did you dream? And he told me, I dreamt that your grandmother wanted to tell us something, but it was very strange because she wasn't there. She was a porcelain doll with curly hair that was stuck in a basket. It's one of those strange things where you know an object, uh, you, you know consciously that an object is not the person, but subconsciously, you kind of know, you kind of feel that the person is in the object or is representing or is represented by the object. I asked him if he heard anything else in the dream, if she had told him something, if he had understood something, or if he could remember anything else. And he told me that he did not know or, you know, he didn't, he didn't see anything else. That dream was really uh, unnerving. I, I thought about it the following days. Two weeks or so later, my aunt called me from Spain and said, uh, Hey, Gabby, I wanted to tell you that we have already started to clean up and clean Grandma's room. We took out all her clothes and everything, but we found a note in the living room where she said that when she died, she wanted all her jewelry to be for you and your daughters. So when I go to Mexico, I'm going to take them to you. And then when Doña Londra, my, my wife's uh, aunt, came from Spain with all the jewelry, everything, everything became clear and everything became evident. She explained to me that uh, the note was not in my grandmother's room where all her things were and that it was in a little cabinet in my grandparents' living room inside a little basket where a little wind-up porcelain doll was and that they found it by chance uh, while moving that piece of furniture. I don't know if people believe me or think that maybe I'm crazy. I'm sure a lot of people do, but my husband and I are sure that that was what my grandmother wanted, especially as she was never really aware that she had terminal cancer and she was going to die. Uh, she lived on finished business. And, and after this happened, some of my uncles also say they experienced similar things to what we did. I think there are definitely things that we do not know about what happens when we die, but I do know that the people we love are always around us, even if we can't see them physically. We sometimes feel the presence and company of my grandmother. And uh, my daughter is almost uh, six years old. And to this day, every night, when she prays, she talks to my grandmother without anyone telling her to do it or anyone showing her. She is so attached to her when she never really met her when she was alive. My daughter still talks to Don Elvira when she prays at night. And I think that that is a proof that there is always a connection beyond what we can see immediately. And these events that happened back then, and they're still happening with my daughter, um, definitely are proof that our loved ones continue and go on and are still in our hearts and in our, and in our minds and sometimes even in our own space. So there you have it. Yes, this happened. Um, and uh, Mario Gongora was here uh, when we uh, teased too, and now he's here as uh, we take it out. These stories, I'm sure people ask you, um, they're probably not that hard to find, right? I mean, you can probably stop people on the street somewhere, like I just shared, 
And, and, and I bet almost everyone has had that thing that once happened in their lives that for the most part, they don't usually talk about because it's a little weird. But if you, if you press be, them, they will, right? You'd be surprised what you, know, what you can accomplish by just going up to someone and asking. Uh, one of the stories is a lady who does the nails to my wife. The other one is a lady who cleans the house for my mother in El Paso, Texas. Um, <laughs> then, you know, you start getting friends of cousins that went through through something and then the neighbors and then and word goes out and everybody loves telling a story. It's just in our DNA, you know, telling stories and and uh, especially mm -hmm. if it's something that affected you and, and it's unexplainable and it's mysterious. And we, we like to be safely scared and hear those ah, stories it's, it's safe, super cool can i quote you <laughs> safely yeah. scared it's like Mario why do you go Gumbara? to the movies to see a <laughs> why do you go to the movies to see a scary movie you know it's like you know the guy's not gonna jump out and kill you but still you're like Ugh. you know and i've also found that the younger you are the more you want to be scared i want to be scared less today than <laughs> i did maybe it's because i'm finally realizing i'm closer to my own mortality but the older right. you get you know right my kids sometimes that ah, is this great movie about this guy who gets chopped up into pieces it's like uh no uh no thanks you know yeah. but i remember man when i was a young man um maybe it's uh because it was dark and in the theater and i was with my girlfriend or something but uh Boy, I used to love the scarier, the spookier, the more, the the more it did that, the better. But not so much anymore. But it's still, <laughs> it still is an attraction for us. But I'm glad you put it in those terms. Safely scary. As, uh, and, and Rick, I'm gonna send it's you not this gratuitous. For it's it's not gratuitous, right? I'm gonna send you this for Halloween. All right, for, I'm not scared. For, says the blue teacher. Okay, I'm not scared. <laughs> That's great, buddy. Mario Gongora. Thank you, my friend. Saludos a la familia, and uh, let's uh, keep keep cranking out those great stories. It's called Yes, This Happened is the podcast. There's plenty more for, for where that came from. You could see, you could listen to Rick Sanchez News. You can uh, listen to Yes, This Happened on our website at aguamedia.com, or you can find it wherever you get your podcast. It's ubiquitous. So you can go to Spotify, you can go to Apple, you can go anywhere. And if you happen to be watching this, for example, on uh, YouTube, then make sure you subscribe, subscribe says uh, <laughs> Jerry. And you know what? We, we always close by saying dale and andale. And I want to start changing it to something that I was talking to my partner Saul about last night. We have this term called latitude. You know what latitude means? It means Latino attitude. And boy, do we need that right now in this country. Latino attitude. So I say this then. Vamos con latitude. Eso. Agua. 